We need to be, if we're going to change women's worth in the world, it starts in our own homes. It really does. And, you know, maybe we should be buying a lot less purses and handbags and giving that money forward to the, the caregivers in our lives that really need it and deserve it. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am McLean McGowan, your host. And coming off from last week's episode when I was speaking about whether or not I was going to shift the podcast from weekly to every other week, I think what I've decided, at least for now, is to stay with the weekly podcast, but to go back to what I did originally, which was every other week an interview, every other week a solo episode. So I'm going to do that and see how that opens up a little bit of my space for work and family time while also putting the podcast out there, which is my true love. I love it so much. So I hope that will keep you feeling supported and grounded as you continue to listen and support me in this podcast. But I'm always open for feedback with topics you want to be hearing about and or people you think that I should be interviewing. So, wow, what is going on? What is not going on? I guess I should say we've moved into Sagittarius land. We've exited the Scorpio season, which feels like a really nice breath of fresh air. You know, I love all that brings with Scorpio. Uh, Lots of death, lots of rebirth. I felt that personally a lot this um, past month. And now it feels nice to kind of be doing action steps on what was learned from all of those lessons and um, the information I got and moving forward in a much more cohesive, peaceful flow mode. And definitely doesn't mean that things are slowing down. I feel like, I don't know if you all feel this way too, if it's a collective thing. I definitely feel like life is just fully in session and every day there is so much stuff to be doing and it's all, well, not all of it. A lot of it is great stuff and good stuff. I'm only speaking for myself in my own life. But, you know, there's part of me that kind of yearns for that day where I can just do nothing and stay in my PJs all day and nap all day. And I don't really know when that's going to happen. I can't really imagine that happening anytime soon, but maybe over the holidays, I can I can get at least a half a day doing that. Do you guys feel that way too? I just feel like there's like so much upgrading and change and new developments of the kids and... um you know, this world just needs us to be warriors and to be working and coming from love. And it takes takes a lot of work to hold that kind of space for our communities and our families and our work. So I honor that and I see that in all of you. And I think 
per usual, which I talk about all the time, is finding those moments throughout the day of really refilling our cup, even if it's just in minutes. And then hopefully those add up to hours. And then hopefully we can find a day within the week where we can really power down and chill out a little bit. And you know, for moms, usually that does not exist on the weekends. Like the weekends are some of my busiest days. And so how do I find that? How do I cultivate that while working? And I'm really trying to schedule a day during the week where I don't see clients, but I deal, I do a meeting that is my self-care each week, go to a meeting and then spend more time with the baby and then also have a couple hours um, to exercise and then to reply to emails and all the, the catch-up life stuff. So that's something I'm working with is having a day where I'm productive, but it's not out in the world. It's actually very soul-fulfilling to myself. And then also just preparing for the weekend and being with my kids a little bit more, picking my daughter up from school Friday afternoon and just, you know, slowly and with ease walking into the weekend because the weekend is so full on. And I really try to slow us down on the weekends as much as possible, but that really wasn't possible this weekend um, because we had birthday parties and play dates. And I hosted a really great workshop, the first workshop in my new space. And it was so beautiful with my bestie, Victoria Keene, who is a sound bath goddess, sound master. And I'll be doing a lot more of those. I'm hoping to do a monthly salon in my home which it's the old school term of salon, which is a, a gathering to discuss different topics. So I really want to do a themed gathering each month with different speakers or meditation guided by myself, yoga guided by myself, followed by sound bath. So we're kind of kind of mix it up, but a little bit of education, a little bit of coming back to yourself, nourishing your nervous system, ending with a deep, deep shavasana and sound bath because we all just, we need that inspiration. We need to be with like-minded people. We need to keep learning. We need to keep expanding. And we also need to really on a like deep bone level, relax and release. So that's my intention with that. For work, I'm so excited. I got a lot of cool stuff happening in 2020 that I'm lining up continuing with the motherhood coaching that's even evolving into some deeper things as well as grief counseling. And um, even if you're, you know, you're a couple of years out from being postpartum and your postpartum shift or post-birth, you know, really coming back to yourself nutritionally, what you want to be doing for work, where you are in your own journey as a woman, you know, all of these things come up so much when we have children and really deeply evolve for a couple of years. So I'm here to support and help guide and and be a real um, space holder for you to acknowledge your dreams and um, be held accountable. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to me and email me, mclean at motherthemother.com, M-C-L-E-A-N at motherthemother.com. And um, can do Skype sessions, also doing couple sessions, Lots of different package uh, options and also continuing, obviously, which is my my core passion of the postpartum work here in Los Angeles. And again, I'll be building some online stuff out for 2020, which I'll let you know about ASAP. 
And also I'm still doing private yoga, private meditation in people's homes and um, semi-private postpartum and prenatal yoga classes in homes. So um, I realize I don't really talk about all the different sectors of my work. And so I'm going to start trying to be better about doing that because I do offer a lot of different things. I'm a nutritionist. I do offer pantry makeover, getting ready for your postpartum shift, going through the pantry, going through the nursery, helping you really prep for your best healing. You know, I always kind of assume either people know what I do or uh, just don't talk about it because, you know, I'm an introvert. So starting to put it out there more so you guys actually know what I do. And if those things align with you, you can reach out to me. So jumping on in to the solo episode today, it is a big topic. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram and saw my stories a couple of days ago, you know what I'm going to be talking about. And that is the topic of help, childcare help. And this is a topic that I seem to talk about almost daily, if not daily, with my best friends. It is something that as a mother is so massive and especially as a working mother. And, you know, it's very stressful and it sounds, I mean, first of all, before I even get into all of this, I just want you to know this, this whole topic, this whole, my whole intention of this conversation is to just start the conversation, to bring up a couple of issues or thought processes and then put it out into the universe so you can digest them and think about how it might be showing up in your life. Nothing that I want to be sharing today is a judgment. Nothing is a judgment on you or your nanny or your own mothering or your own mothers. It's really just looking at how complicated this topic is. It's so nuanced. There's so many variables and there's no way I can even begin to scratch the surface on what that looks like for each one of you. So, you know, I really hope that this is not going to be a triggering episode for you, but it really is just a way for us all to be thinking of the depth of this topic and having a little bit more compassion for ourselves, a little bit more compassion for those that work for us, and a little bit more compassion for each other. Because I also think there's so much... um, shame and guilt and blame and judgment on other moms as well within this topic. So again, this is just um, something I feel is massive. And there was such an outpouring of responses. I've never gotten that many responses on Instagram before. And just friends being like, thank God you're talking about this. And this is from stay-at-home moms, working moms, part-time working moms, full-time working moms. It runs the gamut. So it just shows me what a hot topic this is. And I don't really know why we don't hear this talked about. Like I really don't in a public way ever hear this talked about. So this is actually going to be the first of a series of child care and help related podcast interviews or episodes because um, I want to interview a couple of different people that I feel like can bring a different perspective to this topic. And this is really just, um, in this episode, I just want to put some thoughts and information out there and then let it kind of digest and then circle back and see where we are. 
But again, you know, as I journey through motherhood, this is the stuff that I want to share that I feel is important and that needs to be talked about. So that's my intention for this entire podcast. So this is the topic today. Um, really, really fascinating, all the replies. Um, and I probably should have printed out a sheet of all my questions and then all the answers, but I'm not quite that organized on this Monday morning. Um, the biggest questions I was asking were, were, do you have hired help? Why or why not? Did you grow up with hired help? Why or why not? Like, were your parents working? Was that just what everyone did in your community? Is that what no one did in your community? You know, because all of this stuff is is pretty historical too, and it goes down the uh, the generations how we view um, hiring help and whether having help or not having help when you grew up, how that is reflected in your own life. So, for example, some people that had nannies all growing up and they saw their nannies more than their mothers. Now that their mothers, I'm seeing a lot with my even my own clients, they don't want childcare help because they were what they would kind of deem in their own lives as um, not enough mothering by their own mother because they had, you know, full-time nannies that they don't want to repeat that with their own family. And so they are turned off from hiring help, even if they actually really may need the help. They're um, very anti. So that's just an example of um, how the lineage shows up. Do you judge yourself for hiring help? Do you judge other mothers for hiring help? Why or why not? Like what what are the boundaries in which you judge that? So is it okay to have hired help if you're working full time? Is it not really okay in your judgment uh, to have hired help if a mom doesn't work? Like is that, do you judge that mom of like, why should she get help? She doesn't even work. I work part time or I hustle all day long with my three kids. I don't have any help. Why do I, you know, why don't I get help and she gets help? Um, you know, those can be some judgments. Um, privilege. How is privilege showing up in this story within your own life? Um, some other of the questions were, is the childcare shared expense within your partnership or your family or does it fall on the mom? So if you get nanny help, does that come out of mom's quote-unquote allowance or um, the money that she makes from her work. That is a very hot topic, by the way, which I'm going to go deeper into that. And then what are your own experiences with racism within hiring help? Like how is the difference in races showing up if you're a white woman and you have a, a woman of color working under you? How, how is that kind of showing up if it is at all? Um, do you consider your help family or not family? Um, and what does that look like for you? Healthy boundaries. How do you draw healthy boundaries and what are healthy boundaries? Like, what does that mean for you and your family? Um, does your partner help equally with childcare help or does it all fall on you and your childcare help or nanny or babysitter? Uh, are you doing preschool instead of hiring help? Um, oh, looking back. So if you have older kids, looking back 
at your first year or two years or even first couple of months of having a baby, would you have done things differently? So would you not have hired the help that you did hire or would you have hired help that you didn't hire? And why? So these are all some questions just to kind of jog your own brain. So I'll just start with my top notes and then um, go from there. So again, this is these are not judgments and I'll share my own um, story of growing up with or without help, seeing it in my own family and how it's manifesting now as a mother with kids. But this focus for the next bit is really on the answers that you guys gave and then just thoughts I'm having in general that have been coming up for me. So like I was saying, I think the lineage piece is really big on how was childcare um how was childcare manifested in your family with your great grandparents, your grandparents, your own parents, and then in your own life. So uh, that's just a big one. And there's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong answers for any of these things at all. There's so many variables, like I said. Um, it's just really looking at your own self and what is best for you and your mental health and also that of your family. And then also your community. And then also for everyone involved. So like, what's the best thing for you and your nanny and your partner and your kids? You know, there's so many different, there's so many different pieces. Um, so like I was saying, you know, for people that grew up with a lot of help, um, those responses from you were, yes, I had a lot of help. And so I felt great about hiring help. Some of the feedback was I had a ton of help was raised by nannies. So I have guilt about hiring them for my own kids. Some said definitely no guilt because I'm used to that. And then others said, I don't want any help because I was raised that way. And I think, you know, something about being a mom, which this can kind of feel sometimes slightly uncomfortable, but I think it's really important in taking ownership of our own mothering habits and patterns is often when we are mothering, we are trying to correct the things in our own childhood that we we look back and we wish were different. Um, so for example, if if you had a mom that was pretty checked out and not around, part of your manifestation as a mom might be wanting to be there all the time for your kids you know, doing the bake sale, the PTA, everyday carpool pickup, all of that, like being super mom. And that can be really healing for your own body and your own system to be showing up for yourself and your kids in that way. So great. I mean, if that works for you, great. Um, But the shadow side of that is, are you becoming a helicopter mom? Are you putting a ton of anxiety and fear on your kids from your own childhood where you were kind of in lack of care, either physically or emotionally. Um, And again, there's like, you know, this is a huge continuum. So it's very nuanced. It's not just black or white. It's just varying, varying degrees of gray. But it's just something to look at. Like maybe you're giving something or even over giving something to your kid that your kid doesn't really need nor does your kid really want for their system. 
And so it gets tricky, right? Especially as kids get older and their personalities really start to take shape and their constitution. Every kid is so constitutionally different than us too. So, you know, a really healthy parent to me is able to hold space and obviously be safe and healthy and caring, great nutrition, sleep hygiene, all of these things, you know, like the base levels of stuff. And then also being able to be neutral enough to hold the space for our kids to be how they need to be, right? And I'm not saying that's easy. I mean, I think we're all triggered all throughout the day, every day by our own stuff. But the more work we do on ourselves, the more we can show up in that clear, calm, healthy, boundaried space. So even like a, like a, a trigger for me, let's say, is I really do not like whining. High-pitched whining just grates on my nervous system. And I was an only child, so I didn't have younger siblings doing that. And that was also something that my dad would just not deal with. You know, I could never whine. I could never say this is boring. I certainly never yelled at him or yelled much. I mean, I did yell to my mom as I got older into a teenager. But I wasn't, I never felt like expressing myself that way was allowed. And so I really don't like it. And I get really triggered when my kids do it. And even if it's a tenth of what I hear other kids doing, you know, that's someone else's problem. But even with my own kids, I'm just like, I can't deal with this whining. Like, this is not okay. But I also want to be a mom that can hold space for that. And if they need to whine, if they need to let it out, if they need to shout, if they need to yell, maybe that is the healthiest thing in the moment to get it out of their system. Then we just move on instead of holding in the emotions and just stuffing stuff down. So, I mean, that's just kind of a a trivial example, but I still don't like whining. And I think it's, it's an addiction and it's something I really, I do see in some bratty kids, which I don't, uh, I don't agree with. So, I mean, again, all this is very nuanced, but I'm just giving an example of how the way I grew up affects my mothering in that way, right? And there's like hundreds of those that we all have, we all carry. And it's also interesting to note that major things that might have been digested for you as a kid tends to come up when your own child reaches that age. So for example, if at age seven, your parents got divorced, when your kid becomes age seven, it's very common for you to be triggered by some big stuff. Even if it doesn't feel related to your kid, um, it's because they are going through that developmental time when you did. And so if you see those patterns in your own self, I really highly recommend reaching out to a legit good therapist to help mine you through that. So you're not um, projecting all this shit onto your kid. Anyway, I got a little off topic, but I mean, this is the thing. It's like, it's all layers and circles and circles upon circles. So there's no way to really get to the end of this topic, but it's just something I think we all need to be talking about. And also with our partners, you know, same thing for them. What did it look like in their own family growing up? About their grandparents, their great-grandparents. Was help something that was around? Was help something that wasn't around? Did you always want to have help? Was that something you're like, I'll, I'll you know, make it when I can afford nannies? Or is that something that you really judge and look down upon? Like, ugh, those people are hiring nannies. Like, you know, parent your own kids. If you want kids, be the parent. 
Yeah. And something that's just so deep for moms is that that feeling of guilt. You know, we have so much guilt when we're away from our kids. We have guilt when we're with our kids and maybe not showing up the best that we can be if we're just overworked or overtired and not getting that break. So, I mean, these are all things to look at your own nervous system and how, you know, if you don't, if you kind of poo-poo help, but then you're stressed out and yelling at your kids all day, like, Maybe you do need the help, right? I mean, I just think we need to get away from this shame and guilt about everything and really acknowledge that, you know, we are doing this thing. We are doing this motherhood thing in a way that is against nature. I mean, period, underline, exclamation point. We are doing this thing of motherhood in a way that is not natural. We don't have the village. We don't have this daily flow of just, you know, I need help with my kid. Okay, great. Here we are. We're helping with this kid. And then you can go do that. And then I'm going to go, you know, stir the oatmeal. And then great. Then you're going to make the tea. Okay, then I'm going to change the diapers. We're all helping each other with our kids. And I think, you know, we're just missing out on so much too, because raising kids becomes so pressured on the mom to do everything perfectly. And that's why so much of our modern society is stressed out beyond belief all trying to do it perfectly, you know, and then our nervous systems are just shot. And and look at like wine time, look at the wine culture, you know, moms have to have a drink in the afternoon or early evening. And same thing, at least like in LA, like everyone's smoking weed in the afternoon or throughout the day. And again, like I'm not necessarily making a judgment call on any of those practices. You do you. What I'm just saying is that is showing me that people are tapped out and exhausted and needing a chemical to bring them back into a place of homeostasis and relief, right? It's relief we're seeking. We're all seeking relief, whether that's zoning out in TV, whether that's shopping, whether that's, you know, drugs and alcohol, like what, you know, we have all these vices to kind of like, quote unquote, escape our lives. But what if we just had the village and a lot more help? and a lot more ease in our daily flow. Like maybe we wouldn't need to be escaping, you know? We would just simply be in our lives. So that's a really big piece of we don't have the village. Most of us in cities especially don't have our families here. So we have to hire the village. I mean, when people hire me as a postpartum doula, that's what they're hiring me. They're hiring a part of the village, which is me. And so... My personal belief is like I am hiring part of my village, you know, by having a nanny or babysitter. And it's not always easier too when you have help. I mean, just add that to the layers. It's um, managing who is managing your children when you're not there is really deep stuff. It's really hard and challenging. It brings up lots of fodder for us to think about all of these things. You know, what are my key things that are like non-negotiables? And then what are the other things that I can let slide? Um, I know personally, and I'm not going to get to my whole story, but personally, I've let things slide for years that weren't, didn't seem that important because the love is so strong with our caregivers and our, our kid, our kids. And it really does feel like a grandma vibe, the love, the the safety, the care, 
the fact that she can drive my kids all across the city and I feel really confident in that. I've let other things slide. But then as development changes of the kids, the ages change, my work has really changed over the past eight years. You know, there's this call now for things to be up-leveled. And when we expand and up-level, there's a lot of discomfort that comes with that because we have to make much clearer boundaries and it can be very uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable, you know, just as a rule. And it, it is kind of uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just, I'm going in it with our childcare, we're really looking at like what's working, what's not working, what's kind of undermining my husband and I as a team with like what's been triangulated. I think this is just all common stuff. It's not like particular to us. It's just having someone else in your home. It creates a different dynamic, right? And a lot of us women whose husbands work or partners work full-time or very, very full-time, you know, our childcare help really becomes our other partner at times. And it's a very deep relationship. So, um, I mean, I know for me personally, when I'm going through these up levels and trying, you know, having to communicate daily and change and her being annoyed with me or mad at me because I'm now asking of her things that I was letting her get away with, whether that's food, whether it's, you know, not let, giving them this treat, whether them it's her getting, you know, being much stricter about getting home from the playground on time for earlier dinner. You know, all of these things, they just change as we change and as the kids change. So it's very uncomfortable and I'm still super in it. So I look forward to sharing when I'm on the other side and have more figured out. But right now it is definitely a soup of kind of unknowing. One topic that was really interesting to me that a friend reflected back to me when I was sharing some of my own personal stuff with her last week was she has a woman that works for her. She grew up with quite a bit of help herself as a child and so was very resistant to hiring her own help. Now she does have this person helping her, which she was like, I don't really want to call her a nanny. She's, she said, for lack of a better word, she's calling her a house manager right now. She just helps run her life, you know, helps clean, helps get the kids ready for dinner and bath time and all that stuff and just helps her stay on top of her, her life, her world, her house. She said, when people ask, oh, do you, do you just love her? She like family. She says, we so appreciate her. She's not family. She works for us and she totally helps me run my life and I'd be lost without her. Uh, And that was so interesting to me because I've always called our caregiver family. You know, nanny doesn't seem like the appropriate word. Um, I kind of always like, she's like our grandma or she's family. And that's always been a positive to me. But now what I'm realizing just in our own instance, I actually think that's a very white privileged thing to say is my help is my family. Because I think that that is A, creating very blurred boundaries. Because when we have our family helping us or around, you know, we we kind of take a lot of their stuff because we're not paying them as an employee, right? So like, when my mom's here and she does something that I don't love, whether it's, you know, the food choice or whatever, it's like, okay, but she's family. She's here for a finite amount of time. She's the grandmom. Uh, you know, I let a lot more things slide. And also just acknowledge that 
I don't need to be in control over everything all the time too. I mean, that's that's a whole separate conversation. But when you are paying an hourly wage or a salary to someone, you expect things to be done how you've asked them to be done, right? And when they aren't, it's just ripe for resentment. So I think when you say, yes, we love them like family, you're also putting this burden on them. Like, okay, well now their family, which we all have blurred boundaries with our family members and so much history. So now you put that on them. Like they can't just clock in and clock out in their work. And yes, of course, I'm sure they love your kids and they love you and they love your home and they have signed up for this work because they love that kind of work. But they have their own families. They have their own families to get home to. And so it's just interesting. It just kind of like shifted my, you know, my perspective, my focus a little bit to be a little bit more real with myself. And I know that that comes from me wanting to be that close with people in my home, me wanting to be that close with the person that works for my kids, you know, with my kids, this with my kids when I'm not here. I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. But I'm also paying her as a professional and as a woman that deserves a good wage. And we do pay her very well because I respect that. And I think that's also a whole other conversation too. But that's something we really need to look at. Like, why do we need to be getting a deal or feel like we're getting a deal for the the person, the woman that is in our homes all day with our children, like our number one beloved asset? You know, we should be paying all of our caregivers a very respectable wage, even maybe more than feels comfortable because they aren't slaves, you know? And we need to be, if we're going to change women's worth in the world, it starts in our own homes. It really does. Um, and, you know, maybe we should be buying a lot less purses and handbags and and giving that money forward to the the caregivers in our lives that really need it and deserve it. So the family thing, and it's deep. And it's interesting because I grew up, I think, feeling like caregivers and hired help and uh, my grandmother's generation and my great-grandmothers, they did feel like family. Uh, my mom was raised a lot by nannies who I know at times she felt like were closer than her own mother and more loving than her own mother. And they do feel like family. I mean, when I was back home in Memphis a couple months ago, I went and saw Minnie, who worked for my grandmother for 40 years. And Minnie took care of me whenever I was at my grandmother's house. And we'd go there a lot. You know, she'd dress me, she'd diaper me, she'd feed me. I mean, I loved Minnie. I still love Minnie. And I always felt like she was family. And she was there a lot. I mean, she would stay on Christmas night with us. And you know, now I look back and there's, there is kind of shame and guilt around some of that because A, I don't always agree with how my grandmother treated her. And B, she had her own family. She had nine kids. She had nine kids. And now that I'm a mother, like that makes my head explode. And they all went to college. All nine of her children went to college and have amazing jobs and are all amazing humans. And she was a single mom. And she had her first kid at 13. So it's just really interesting. And in that story, I'm from the South. It was white women hiring black women. So, you know, 
that's a whole deep racist issue too. And around slavery and I'm sure they felt very unseen and like they couldn't speak up because they felt lucky to have, you know, the job that they had getting paid what they were. And so I think I also, given that that guilt is in my DNA and my family history, I have always wanted to never do any of that and feel like I'm paying our help very well. They are family. I put their needs, you know, equal to mine, if not often before mine. But that is now catching up to me as I don't have the bandwidth to hold that kind of space. Now that I've got two kids, now that I'm working, now that I'm expanding my work, I really have to have people that show up on time, you know, and show up consistently on time. So just wondering, as you listen to this, how that's showing up for you. And again, I'd love feedback if you want to... um email me or DM me any of these things that may have come up for you so I can go deeper into it in another episode. Yeah. And if you do have help, do you feel like you don't have enough help or, and do you wish you had more help or do you look back and you feel like you have too much help? Because I know that's a thing too. It's like you, you can just jump on the bandwagon of hiring full-time help because you feel like you need to. And then you look back and you're like, I'm never with my kids now. And I see that. I see that with people that have a ton of help, there is a divide. There's a divide between the mother and the child. There can be triangulation. As the child gets older, I guarantee you there will be manipulation with the child care person if mother and nanny are not completely in alignment. But then you also want, you know, everyone to have their own flair, right? I mean, I don't want to be controlling the other person 24-7 that's with my kids. Like, that's not a fun way to be either. I don't want whoever's here to be feeling controlled and that they, they're like under a microscope because I don't think that's allowing for people to be human and bring their own gifts in as well. And I do see that a lot with postpartum help. And I really, really hope to have a night nurse on in the upcoming weeks that I've actually worked with. And I really like her so, so much. I'd love to have her on for her perspective. I do see with my clients that hire night help from the get-go, it can, and it not doesn't always do this, but it can really set up a divide between mommy and baby energetically and affect the breastfeeding and really contribute to that, that sense of looking outside of yourself as a mother for the right answers. And um, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to start that off out of the gate because when you kind of skip over that of knowing your baby's cries, knowing when to feed them, you know, messing up. I mean, we, we, we only learn from trying it out, right? I mean, none of us get the manual of how to mother our babies. So it's just trial and error, literally every minute of every day for the first couple of weeks, months and on. And so when you do cut out some of that, it is kind of like skipping over major development portions of your motherhood journey. So that's just something to be aware of. And look, I love night help. I had some night help. She will always be a huge part of our lives. I love Val. Uh, We still text each other all the time. But I personally like using it as help when you really need some good night's sleep, but not as a way of 
not mothering your baby in the early stages. Cause I just, I do see it a lot. And again, no judgment. If you, if that works for you, great. And some people that really works for and they need it. They have to have that support from the get go. Um, I'm just talking about the shadow side while we're on this topic because I'm seeing it more and more. Yeah. And you know, mm, this is a really big topic. You know, in the movies throughout time, we see the white women, the white women of privilege, either with a lot of money or privilege because they're white, with brown and black help, you know, and slaves. And that's a very recent part of our history as well that we can't discount of, you know, black women had babies, their babies were taken away from them to be the babies of the household, i.e. to be future slaves. And can you imagine that having your your own newborn ripped away from you because you were quote unquote owned by white people um, and then having to use your milk to feed these white babies? I mean, it's it just makes me ill to think about. It's torture. And that is a very recent part of our national history. Um, so it is really loaded. It's really loaded. It's like right under the surface and getting close. And here's the thing. A mother's heart is so deep and it's so real. So even in these horrible instances of slavery and abuse, you know, these women cared for these white babies and their, and their babies. And as they grow and then, you know, a lot of times they were the real mothers of these kids and then the kids grow up and then they're racist and turn the, their back on them or just never can get super close, you know, as adults with them because of race. Um, you know, that's that, that piece is really heartbreaking. But it's all, you know, it, it, not but, and it has been a part of history throughout the ages. The people in power have slaves and the people of power have childcare help and maids and chambermaids and butlers. I mean, it's, that's why this topic is just never ending because it has been something that's been throughout the ages. Um, and that's not always race. It's who's in charge and who's subordinate. Um, Coming back to present day and us, um, really looking at what's important to you right now. What's important to you? And then how can you carve out the space in your life right now to honor that? And sometimes it's, a woman getting back to work after having a baby and realizing she's miserable and hates her job and all she wants is to be back at home with her baby who's now with a nanny or now at daycare. And, you know, really looking at that. I mean, I think when you have children, everything in your life um, is kind of upended and it changes us. And the things that we assume we can't change. We often can change. Things just may look very differently than they look now. So, for example, if you think, oh, well, I have to go back to work. I could never, 
I could never not work. I, you know, we have to have this paycheck. Okay. But you know, is there a different way? Is there a different job you could do that maybe is more part-time hours or do you move to a place that's a lot less expensive? So your, your monthly overhead is drastically different and then you can stay home more with your kid. I mean, it's, you know, there's just so many pieces and I don't mean to like minimize that at all. Um, making money is a very real thing for people. Um, I'm just saying motherhood and having a child, having a baby, creating this life can really change our priorities and what's important to us. Um, the opposite is true too. You have a baby and you feel amped. You feel like you want to go out. You have things to change. You have things to say. You want to be a part of um, the world in a bigger way. And and you want to be out in the world and you want to be working every day. And you know that's great too if that works for you um, and your kids. So again, there's no right or wrong. I just wanted to bring this up. I'm going to close soon because I've been talking a lot and I'm really sorry if this is like, very unclear and circular. Um, But I'm definitely not in any way at a place of having answers. It's more just looking at what help looks like in our current culture, how we can be showing up for ourselves and our families better. How can we be cleaner? How can we be holding really clear boundaries in our families? And, you know, as moms, we're producers, we're production coordinators of our businesses, which is our family. It's our home. It's our kids. It's the schedule. And something I'm going to be implementing is a very clear boundary, neutral, no judgment, just like these are the outlines. This is the manifesto. This is the mission statement of my business with my kids. This is the time they need to, you know, this is the time you need to be here for work. This is the time you need to pick this kid up. This is the time you need to pick this kid up. These are the things I would like them to eat. This is when bedtime needs to happen. This is when bath time needs to happen. You know, just a very clear schedule. And that's just what needs to go. You know, that's just how it needs to be. For me to be feeling really good and supported when I'm out in the world doing my work in other people's homes or with clients online or just out in the world working, to know that it's handled at home in a way that I have outlined. And, you know, that's on me. If, if boundaries have been blurred, that's on me. Um, and so I also am having had a lot of frustration within myself come up this past week. You know, my partner and I have been talking through so many of these aspects. I mean, for days, like the hours we have talked about this, it's just a little mind-blowing. But It needs to. It needs that much care and forethought and attention to it right now because what's more important? Like this is really important stuff to get clear about, to see what's working, what's not working. It's like any person that owns a business every six months or a year, you know, you have a review of your employees and and your own contribution to it too. Where can I be clear? Where are my boundaries being blurred? Where am I letting things slide? Because A, I don't really want to have the uncomfortable conversation or B, I just don't want to deal with it. C, it's easier to push it on someone else. You know, I, I know within myself, I often will always come back to, well, there's so much love and, you know, that's the most important, which is, you know, it's a big one, but it's also 
if I am feeling like I'm being thrown under the bus, that's not cool. And that's that, you know, that kind of behavior just cannot go on. So anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing back from you guys and just to get more interviews going on this topic, because I think, again, it's so nuanced. I think having help is really awesome. I feel like that can look a thousand different ways to every woman and household and family. And we're all doing it differently. And that's beautiful. And I just think it's really important to have the conversations with each other. And and even in your mom groups or your friends, you know, it was it was kind of humbling last week. I, I reached out to a couple of friends and even women that I'd worked for, I'd been their postpartum doula and I'm calling them and be like, you're a very clear boundary person. Can you please walk me through the hours you have with your nanny and what that looks like and like how you set boundaries with them? You know, like I'm always interested in how other people are doing it because it's it's more for me to learn and get these like little nuggets of wisdom. And it just takes like one sentence of someone to just go, you know, to give me some clarity, to give me some more information of like, oh yeah, if I could learn how to do that, that would simplify that piece. So anyway, we need each other. This is a village. Always, always. We need to come together and support each other, whatever that looks like. And um, also hold each other accountable and support one another and show up in love and also show up with the mind of a student and an open heart and open ears to listen. And I'm sending love out to all of you as we go into the holidays. I know it can get a little bit crazy but just try to carve out some time for yourself, whether it's a walk or some exercise or an exercise class or meditation, like finally getting into the meditation practice you want, like really putting your mental health and your physical health first and forward, even if it's not every day, maybe like three to four times a week, that you can just come back and refill and come back into a stronger version of yourself. To enjoy the holidays because that's why you know the beauty of them is that we can be with our family we can be with our kids we can bring that magic of the holiday spirit to them and to ourselves but you know it's hard to do it when we're blown out and exhausted and our nerves are fried so sending you lots of love and um, as always please reach out to me with any questions or feedback and um, sending you love Jema 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 Jema